Okay? Uh, the message for today is called New Things. We started it last week, and we're in part two today. I want to read to you the anchor verse for this message. It's Isaiah 43, verse 19. It says this, See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day and the opportunity to just hear your word. And today we ask, God, would you fill our hearts and our minds with your wisdom, with your thoughts. We thank you for your word, the authority of your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who can teach us all things. And just ask that for each one of us that we'll receive something from you. Lord, I ask for the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. God, to share your heart and to impart what's in your word today. It's such a privilege. We love you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. I love this scripture in Isaiah 43 where it's talking about this new thing that God is doing and that it springs up. And then he asks this question, do you perceive it? And that's where we left off last week was that question of do you perceive it? And we asked, well, how do we perceive what God's doing? Well, the answer to that is we seek him. It fits really well with the 21-day fast that we're in. A lot of us are fasting either food or TV or maybe social media. And what we're doing is we're substituting time with God, whether it's prayer, worship, um, reading the Bible, and just substituting what we were taking away with that time with God. And it's a great way to seek him to perceive the new thing that he's doing. And so I hope that that is going really well for you and that it's life-giving. We're going to continue in this, this series, New Things, by going to Judges chapter 6 today. Judges is a book where there's this roller coaster that happens, where you see this pattern, where the people of God forsake him, and they fall into the hands of their enemies, and they get oppressed, and they're, they're mistreated, and they are apart from God. So they cry out to God, and they ask for his help. And over and over and over again, we see this cycle in the book of Judges, where God comes and he rescues them. He sends them a judge who helps defeat their enemies and give them liberty and give them the freedom in God that they really want. And then they fall into the cycle again. And it's unfortunately for a lot of us a reminder of how we can be at times, how easy it is to forget God and and how we need to stay faithful to him and not forget him and to worship him in the good times and in the hard times. In Judges chapter 6, we're going to visit um, a man named Gideon. And Gideon and his people, the Israelites, had been oppressed by the Midianites. It says that the Midianites, they would come in and they would overrun their crops, that they would take uh, their livestock. They really impoverished the Israelites is how the Bible says it. So Israel at this time is oppressed and they're, they're vulnerable. They're feeling really weak. And in that state of weakness, we find in Judges chapter 6, Gideon in a wine press threshing wheat. And it says in the Bible that the reason he's doing it is to hide from the Midianites because he doesn't want them to obviously steal their wheat. And so it's in this kind of place of weak and hiding that Gideon has this encounter with the Lord. And this is what it says. We're going to pick it up in Judges 6, verse 11. It says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak at Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abrazite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? 
But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I'll be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. There's this declaration in verse 12 when this angel of the Lord visits Midian, and he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And this, this verse is really supposed to kind of hit us as odd, considering the context of being oppressed and the context of Midian, or excuse me, Gideon being in a wine press, hiding, threshing this wheat. It's like, um, mighty warrior, like these are an impoverished people. Um, like he's in a wine press and uh, it's not exactly, he's not exactly like sharpening his sword or, you know, getting ready for battle. It's not the picture of mighty warrior. It's really cool because, you know, God's able to declare things in our lives that haven't happened yet. Because what's great is God can see what he is doing and what he is going to bring out of you. And he can declare something that isn't true yet, but he'll declare it in the present tense as truth. And the question is, do we want to come in agreement with it? And, of course, Gideon, you know, has questions himself. He's like, you know, well, then why is all this happened? If I'm a mighty warrior, then why are my people in this state? Why do I feel abandoned? In verse 14, uh, the Lord absolutely just ignores Gideon's question. Why? And just gives him this directive. Go in the strength that you have. I think sometimes, you know, we'll ask God when we sense that we need to go in a direction, we need a new thing. Uh, We'll ask God all the questions why, and it's totally fine for us to ask God the questions why. But he gets to answer on his own timetable. And I think sometimes we can hold our progress hostage, waiting for the answer for why, when God says, you know, hey, snap out of it. It's time to move forward. So the Lord says, instead of answering that question, he says, go in the strength that you have to save Midian, out, save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So he, he starts with Gideon and he says, right where you are, I want you to just go in that strength. And I want you to cooperate with me. I, I want you to just believe me right now, to have faith in me, to trust me. And I want your actions to follow as well. Go in the strength that you have. Just obey me right now. Just go in the direction that I'm showing you. And Gideon, you know, he rebuts again because he's got some confidence issues here. And he says, you know, listen, my clan is the weakest. I'm the least in my family. And um, just like us, you know, we often can tell the Lord why we're not up for the task and why um, he shouldn't choose us. Uh, We're all too aware of our own insufficiencies and things that have held us back and failures from the past. And maybe we've tried to, you know, work things out and tried in the past and even tried in the area that God is leading us to. And it just hasn't worked out. And maybe we've experienced so much weakness that um, strength really isn't even in our vocabulary and in our way of thinking. We're just trying to get by. But God comes to him and says, Go in the strength that you do have. I think Paul had a real revelation of this. I think he, he got it. And 
2 Corinthians 12, verses 9, it says this. It says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient to you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly because of my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. So if you told Paul today, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, if you were to go to him and say, you know what, if we had the access to him, right? You know, I, I just don't feel up to it. I don't feel like I have what I need. I'm too weak. I don't have enough. Paul would say, this is a great opportunity for God's power to rest on your weakness. It's interesting how it's like the Lord in this interaction with Gideon. He doesn't go into a, a counseling session. He kind of, in that moment, just says, listen, it's time to move forward. You're the guy. Rise up in the strength. I'm going to be with you. That's how, that was his reply to all of his insecurities. Yeah, but I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not wise enough. Uh, my emotions aren't strong enough. And the Lord's answer to us is, I am with you. So there's a few more interactions that are going to happen in the next several verses. First, Gideon is he's going to have these insecurities where um, he's wondering if he's really having an encounter with the Lord. Like, is all of this real? And he says, listen, I'm going to go make you a meal. So he goes and he, he prepares a meal and he brings it back. And the angel of the Lord says, listen, put it on that rock. Puts it on the rock, pours the broth over it. And the angel of the Lord touches his staff on the rock and fire consumes the meal that Gideon had prepared. And Gideon's like, it's really you. You know, it's like, okay, okay, I, I believe this is, I'm really having an encounter with God. The next thing that Gideon does is he begins to get his own life in order. He builds an altar, which in the Old Testament is a place where you would make a sacrifice and where you would worship God. And he builds an altar to the Lord and begins to honor God. And then the Lord says, now I want you to build an altar for the community. Because you see, the people had rejected God and they had been worshiping with this Asherah pole, which is basically a, a wooden idol. And God says, I want you to go and I want you to tear that down and I want you to build me an altar out of that idol. It's neat how when God is leading us into an area of victory and leading us into an area of growth, he will take care of some other issues along the way. And what God is doing is he's taking care of the community's issue and um, Gideon is taking care of his issue of just putting worship back in its place, putting God back in the first place in their lives as, it, as they deserve. Gideon's really afraid about this because, um, of course, the community loves this idol that they worship and they depend on it, if you will. So he does it at night and uh, builds this altar. The next day, his community wants to kill him, and his dad, Joash, stands up for him and says, listen, let these idols and these gods defend themselves if, if they're mad let them take care of them but you know leave my son alone and he lives now it's important to note that up to this point um, Gideon is moving forward in the strength that he has right and with this promise that I will be with you and now what we're going to see is we're going to see this shift that happens for Gideon where it's going to go from the strength that he has and God is with you to much more. So it's, we're going to pick up in Judges chapter 6, verse 33. And it says, Now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and the other eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. 
Then the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoned the Abizarites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also to Asherah, Zebulun, Naphtali, and they too went up to meet them. So the, the enemies here, they're going to join together, not just the Midianites, but their other enemies, and they are going to join forces. What's interesting is, and I sometimes I like to do this in the Bible, what if we just stopped at that verse, verse 33 in Judges chapter 6, and we just said this overwhelming force was coming against them. Can I tell you that so many times in our lives, we're ready to move forward, and we see something that comes against us. We see problems that just come out of the woodwork. We see a storm that, hold on, I just made this decision to go in the strength that I have and to trust God, and now like this, all of this force is coming against me. We can so many times stop right there and go, God, like I was trusting you. Why can these bad things happen? But you see, we don't stop reading in verse 33. Because the next verse says that the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But you see, we can see this as this overwhelming force that's going to come against the Israelites and possibly destroy them. But you see, I think what God sees is he sees a perspective where now he can wipe out a bunch of your enemies all at once. He can take care of a lot of things in us and around us all at once because God is so good and, and he's not intimidated by how much is coming against you. He is he's God and he's able. And so I just want to encourage you that when you see things coming your way, maybe God is going to use that to make you and use that to help you overcome, to, to purify you and to make you a better person and to put you in a place where no matter what happens in life, because we live in a broken world, I trust that God's going to take good care of me. The key here, though, is it says that the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet. And so that's that verse 34, that after. So the forces come, and then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. Gideon goes from, I'm going in the strength that I have, to, and I know that he is with me, to now I, I feel this empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You know, our focus in doing new things is getting on board with what God is doing. We're not trying to make up new things or prescribe new things or tell God what new things he wants to do. We want to hear God and we want to perceive the things that he's doing. And we want to allow him in places of our lives to say, you know what, you're mighty in me and you can do this. I don't know what you're facing. Maybe, maybe it's an area where God wants to do a new thing in your finances. And maybe you've failed in the past or maybe there's just been things outside of your control that have come uh, against you and you just feel like you're behind the eight ball all the time. And God says, you know what? Just do what you can. Be a good steward with what you have. Be disciplined right now. Know that I am with you in this. And then there'll be that time where you just really see God moved by his Holy Spirit. Maybe it's a relationships that are broken and you feel like um, you just can't get them right and that you can't fix them. And God's saying, you know what, I want to do something. You're like, but God, I don't, I don't know that you can work 
work in them. I don't know that it can work out. God's saying, would you just go in the strength that you have and know that I'll be with you. And in the moment that you need, the Holy Spirit will visit you. I remember years ago, uh, my grandfather on my mother's side, um, he, he didn't know the Lord Jesus and, and wasn't willing to, to be a Christian. And as a younger man, I had reached out to him, and I, I remember sitting in the car with him one day and saying, God, uh, or excuse me, saying to my grandfather, hey, I, I wanted to talk to you about God. And he just shut me down and just said, you know what, I don't talk about things I don't really understand. And he just shut you know, his grandson down. And for a couple of years, I remember uh, Andrew, my son, as he was praying, probably six, seven years old. He would pray for his grandfather that he would come to know Jesus. And a few years later, I felt like the Lord said, I want you to go up to, to Erie, Pennsylvania and spend a couple of days with your grandfather. And it was kind of one of these, go in the strength that you have, I'm going to be with you. And I remember so clearly, you know, just wanting to see his relationship with God um, materialize, be sure that I get to see him again in heaven. And when I went there, I remember it was the last night and I was sitting in his living room and we're watching a television show together. And I remember thinking, you know, God, when are you going to do this thing? I was just waiting those two days, waiting on God to do something. And I felt the Holy Spirit just come. It was like then the Holy Spirit came. And I had a five-minute conversation with my grandfather that absolutely changed his eternity. I just talked to him about God. I told him I was worried about it. I told him I wanted to be sure that he was in heaven. I told him that, that um, Jesus had come to pay for his sins and to give him a new life um, so that he could be close to his maker. And in that moment, um, my grandfather made a decision to follow Christ. And he uh, accepted Jesus. He prayed with me that moment. And I just remember distinctly not just the the environment, because it only took about a five-minute conversation, which was amazing to me. I don't know the rest of the story of how the Lord had prepared him, but in that just few minutes, it was like the Lord was with me in that moment. The Holy Spirit was there. He cared so much about my grandfather, and I got to see a miracle happen before my eyes. Somebody moved from death to life. I just want to encourage you, whether it's finances or relationships or, or any area in your life where it's a new thing, would you go in the strength that you have and know that God's with you? Know that, that he will be there and in the moment when you need him the most, this, the Holy Spirit will visit you because our Holy Spirit will empower us with the will of God and the wisdom of God. There's a great scripture that you can read this week, maybe in your devotions. Um, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that talks about the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and how he gives us these gifts of empowerment to serve other people and to be a blessing. It's a great way to see, well, what does it mean when the Holy Spirit comes upon you or you're filled with the Holy Spirit and his empowerment? 1 Corinthians 12 really helps to articulate that. Also, you know, I'm leaving you with a cliffhanger here in Judges chapter 6. It goes on to chapter 7 where you see Gideon uh, bring freedom to his people. And it's an amazing God story where with, you know, some torches and some jars and some trumpets, like the people of God are set free. You're going to want to read that. That's Judges chapter 6 and chapter 7. And again, that chapter that talks about the Holy Spirit and his gifts 
is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you want some extra credit, read on to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where it talks about love. Because all of these gifts and doing things for God and moving in the things that God has for us, if we don't have love, God's love working in our lives, it ain't worth it. And it doesn't, it isn't uh, valuable. So let me pray with you today. Father, I just thank you so much. Thank you for the new things that you're doing. And I pray, Lord God, our heart's desire is we don't want to make things up. Our desire is to perceive the things that you're doing. Away through the wilderness, streams in the wasteland, as it says in Isaiah 43. Lord, help us to perceive your provision, your will, and what you're doing. God, I just thank you for the way that you work in us. And I pray, Lord, help us to understand how your Holy Spirit works with us, how you are with us, that you never leave us, and that you never forsake us. And, Lord God, help us, Lord Jesus, to experience and know and walk in the empowerment of your Holy Spirit because we want to see your will on earth as it is in heaven. We love you and we honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.